0: On Monday night, I sat with hundreds of people inside of a church. It was beautiful, made of stone. I was listening to music. It doesn't seem all that extraordinary, right? Except for a few things. First, it was packed. An old stone church. Packed. Secondly, it was racially diverse, with a skew towards millennials. And you don't get a lot of us in churches just about anywhere. And finally, it would be absolutely nearly impossible to identify what this group of people sitting inside this old, beautiful stone building actually believed about God. See, we're listening to a musical duo named Gunger, who have become famous first for their wildly creative music and then for their podcast called The Liturgists where they explore the intersection of art and science and faith and, most interestingly, doubt. The podcast features a guy named Science Mike and Gunger as they share their stories of spiritual deconstruction, the questions that led them down that path, and in the present tense, they're grasping at hope as they try to piece together neuroscience and spirituality and progressive Christianity and apophatic mysticism And they yearn for visible manifestations of the Godhead. Now, driving home from that concert, which was one of the most spiritual experiences of my life, I wondered what was going on in there. Most churches are struggling to get people inside the door, let alone keep them packed. And this packed house had sort of a rotation of song and Q&A sessions, song, question, and answer, and every single question-answer session began with, Hi, I too am watching my faith unravel and deconstruct. One after another, the voices lined up and said this and proclaimed how the music of Gungor served them as guideposts and oases along the journey. Now, their music, they were clear, didn't solve the problem of their crumbling faiths, but propelled them towards even greater unknowns of belief and existential crises. And dwelling on these testimonies, the only thing that was clear to me that united everybody in that room was curiosity. It's actually the same curiosity that led the apostles in John 11 to keep following Jesus when any sane person would have said, I'm out of here. Remember that Jesus tells the disciples that they're going to go back to Bethany in Judea. One slight problem. They just recently had survived a large mob that had wanted to stone them. You can imagine the apostles push back a little bit on this idea. And then Jesus shares a series of cryptic metaphors about his impending Easter doom, which, as they tend to do in the Gospels, the disciples don't understand. And eventually Jesus says, look, I'm going, and it's because you need to learn a lesson about faith. And then, then there's Thomas. Do you remember Thomas? Doubting Thomas. I'm not going to believe anything until I stick my hands into his side after the resurrection, Thomas. Well, whatever Jesus said convinced him to speak up on behalf of the group and to say, let us also go that we may die with him. And the rest followed suit. Let us go so that we may die with him? Is he crazy? Now, I think that Thomas is a living example of that zoological cliche that we think of when we think of curiosity. First found in print in 1873, featuring everybody's favorite feline pet. That's right, curiosity killed the the cat. Now, sometimes that cliché is useful. kind of warns us against the types of curiosity that look like voyeurism. For example, once there was a sign in the window of an English company, and it said, We've been established for over 100 years and have been pleasing our displeasing customers ever since. We've made money and lost money, suffered the effects of coal nationalization, coal rationing, government control, and bad payers. We've been cussed and discussed, messed about, lied to, held up, robbed and swindled, and the only reason we stay in business is to see what happens next. <laughs> this kind of curiosity, this voyeuristic curiosity, is like watching a match in the Roman Colosseum, or an episode of Jersey Shore, or even just five minutes of The Bachelor. Come on, world. Sometimes curiosity causes us to keep looking, even though we know it's going to be a train wreck. And spoiler alert for you who haven't read the rest of John, it's going to be a train wreck for Jesus in the coming chapters. The curiosity of disciples will cost them. It will cost them their beloved teacher. It will set all of them down paths that, according to legends, eventually ended with all of them dying as martyrs for the sake of the gospel. Curiosity killed those cats. But, maybe you're like me and you didn't know that there's actually a rejoinder to that little saying. The rejoinder is curiosity killed the cat and satisfaction brought it back. Did anybody else ever heard that before? That was a first for me as well. Okay so I don't live in some rhetorical wormhole. I'm glad to hear, I'm not alone. Now, I was even happier to read Wikipedia's description of this little cliche. Listen closely. Although the original version, Curiosity Killed the Cat, was used to warn of the dangers of unnecessary investigation or experimentation, the addition of the rejoinder, satisfaction brought it back, indicates that the risk would lead to resurrection because of the satisfaction felt after finding out. Let me try that again. Although the original version was used to warn of the dangers of unnecessary investigation or experimentation, the addition of the rejoinder indicates that the risk would lead to resurrection because of the satisfaction felt after finding out. Resurrection, eh? Lazarus knows a thing or two about that. Now, this nod to a feline's nine lives, which they may or may not get after dying eight times, it's so satisfying to the many of us who have felt the other side of curiosity. Any of us who have ever felt intrigued by the sort of spiritual, transcendent things in the world that you can't describe with our limited vocabularies. The sort of spiritual curiosity that Causes people like Jodie Foster, who's actually a lifelong atheist, to practice rituals from several different religions at her home, even though she grew up with no faith tradition. It's the kind of curiosity that caused the Wright brothers to see if they could use what they learned at the bicycle shop to send their souls soaring. It's the kind of curiosity that says, I have no idea what I am doing, but I'm convicted. In the bowels of my soul, that what is on the other side is better. It's beautiful. And like Lazarus in all of creation, it's rising. And for the time being, Annie Dillard writes it in Highland, New Guinea, now Papua New Guinea, a British district officer named James Taylor contacted a mountain village above 3,000 feet, whose tribe had never seen a trace of the outside world. This is the 1930s. And he described the courage of one villager. One day, on the airstrip, an airstrip that was hacked from mountains near the village, this man cut vines and lashed himself to the fuselage of Taylor's airplane shortly before it took off. The courageous villager explained calmly To his loved ones, that no matter what happened to him, he had to see where that plane came from. Now, in this fortnight before the holiest of days, it's time to get intrigued by our spiritual curiosities. Maybe you're like me and you find yourself following too much of your curiosity's voyeuristic dark sides. Mind tends to be reading the news and about the train wreck that is our political system. Maybe you watch The Bachelor. But the world needs us to transform that and to build people like the disciples who are so fascinated by this rumbling in their soul that there is one who is making all things new and that this Jesus was going to get us to him. People who think That it's worth following after the one for whom a billion suns rise. The one for whom clouds paint the skies. The one for whom the mountains stand tall and the valleys bow down. That this one is worth singing our life songs to. That this one will raise us from the dust of our daily monotony into abundant life. I hope that you'll develop a zeal to listen for that groaning of creation that's all around. You'll be so fascinated by your fellow pew dwellers to ask them, what yearnings caused you to get up on Sundays to show up here too? What are your questions, fellow seated-upon-the-wood friend? that causes you week after week to dare, in the midst of our materialist world, to come back here? Is it because you're driven by some deep inkling that something profound lurks just beneath it all? That's something that just might be given credence by the presence of the holy here. A passion for that which connects everything, that's so mischievous that it might cost you everything? Will you join in this scandal that caused a bunch of spiritual seekers gathered from the rocky crags of ancient Judea to follow this Nazarene into the dark? No sane person would do it unless unless your whole being believes the one who watches the stars dancing with the moonlight and the rhythm of the rain and the weight of everything within you exclaims that Jesus is rising within us. I pray that you'll get curious about resurrection because, spoiler alert, everything is rising. Amen.